Welcome everybody. I'm Mark Fox, CEO of NetEvents. I'm delighted you can join us today for our session on SD-WAN and SASE managed services versus DIY. We have partnered with Delora Group, so Maurizio Sanchez, who is the research director of Delora Group and heads up their cybersecurity, SASE and SD-WAN services. Maurizio will be providing an intro to today's session to set the scene. That will be followed by the discussion with our panel that you see here. So I'll hand over to Maurizio for today's session. Maurizio, over to you. Thank you, Mark. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, if the case may be. Welcome. I'm joined here today by a distinguished set of panelists to be able to have today's conversation. A quick rundown on who the panelists are, and we'll have them uh, in several minutes introduce themselves as first Craig Connors, VP and GM of the SASE business at uh, VMware. And uh, then we're joined by Parag Pakori, Senior Vice President at Netscope. And last but not least, Mark Cohen, leader of the MEF Security Test and Certificate Certification Incubation Group uh, from, again, from MEF. So I'm really glad to have uh, these uh, distinguished set of panelists. Looking forward to some great conversation on the three topics we've uh, bringing to you today. Uh, before we jump in, uh, I'd like to share with you a couple comments about this landscape of SAS and SD-WAN and uh, be able to level set, hopefully, uh, today's conversation. Again, I'm from, I'm from the Delore Group. We're a quantitative market research firm based in the Silicon Valley in California. Uh, I have been um, tracking SASE nearly three years, but we have been tracking the technologies that have been feeding into SASE much longer, uh, including SD-WAN from its very inception and <laughs> access routing for the last 20 years, proxy technology since 2008 that now have become uh, the latest trend of cloud-delivered network security. So let's jump in. Um, I always like to start off by level setting. Why are enterprises um, thinking about SAS? And why is this conversation about SD-WAN so relevant? I think we need to think, think about two, two anchor points. We need to think about the architectural anchor points of the traditional legacy network that has been with us for the past several decades, to be honest. And so it's an architecture that is predicated on a hub and spoke model. It's, it was very hardware centric or still is very hardware centric with private MPLS circuits to connect and stitch everything together and using VPN, IPsec as self remote access and very much our perimeter based security philosophy with the inside versus the outside being the, the uh, soup du jour to how people look at the, at the security. And, and as well, the operation model, which is on the right hand side, the bullets, it was a, or is for many still a world with um, centralized applications. So they don't live on the internet, they live inside the corporate perimeter and uh, very little in terms of what the outbound internet traffic um, represented and the, the number of remote workers was an exception, not the, not the rule. So again, uh, something that it was a cloistered environment and uh, worked rather well for the environment that we lived in. But then if we go back to 2020, what did we see from our research in terms of market forces that have altered the landscape and generated the interest in, in, the, in the technologies that are part of the SASE conversation? I think it's the first, the increase in attacks and the cost of breaches that enterprises are facing. And I'll share a couple of quantitative statistics in just a second. But the security uh, threat level just raised it substantially. 
obviously everyone had to stay at home due to the health mandates. And so it went from remote work to uh, now we're entering this world of, of hybrid work where it's a split time between the in the office versus somewhere else in terms of, of uh, the work and, uh, and people doing their, their work responsibilities. And then lastly, the attention that got placed on the business's online experience. And by this, I mean, business had to go to be transacted uh, electronically. It could have been paper in the past, very, very face-to-face, -face, but now it had to be somehow more digital, more, more uh, remote friendly. And so the, the role of the online experience um, all of a sudden became a, a massive uh, point of contention. Being a quantitative firm, I always like to share a couple couple statistics, both from interesting work from the outside, but then stuff that, that we do. So as I mentioned, security tax increased substantially. In 2022, um, IBM puts out a great report showing the cost breaches. They continue to go up. They've gone up 13% in 2020. Now the average corporate data breach is over $4 million. That's a significant amount. And, and that's just the average. So some of them are uh, extremely um, at a much higher level. According to a recent uh, McKinsey report, 58% of US workers are hybrid today, which is, which is amazing, right? It's, it's somewhere uh, between a three to 10X jump before the, and this is the new normal that we see moving forward is that this hybrid work is here to stay. And then lastly, the digitalization enterprise as measured by how much enterprises are spending on clouds, which we have a tracker in, in that uh, space, significantly increased almost um, a 2X jump here from 2019 to 2021 from 81 to 151 billion. So it's, it's, a, it's significant how much enterprises are investing. The legacy network that I just described fell flat for all intents and purposes during the and there's four things I'd like to call out here in terms of the challenges that we heard about in our conversations with um, enterprises and, and the, the landscape in general. I'll start from the left and go to the right. So the left, you know, the MPLS circuits did not, were no longer enough. Again, as cloud applications started to become the, the norm, not, not the exception, all of a sudden, the amount of traffic that needed to be piped between various points of the network um, became much greater and started to tax what are in many cases still expensive MPLS circuits, meaning that there had to be more money to spend, uh, more money spent in order to upgrade to, to faster pipes. And, and that's not necessarily something any enterprise is looking uh, to do. The security stack became a choke point there in the perimeter. And so again, more this hardware centric view just was not working the well as well as it did in the, in the past. All of a sudden, remote workers, we heard a lot of instances of, of IT administrators pulling out their hair from VPN, um, all of a sudden, not enough capacity. It's like, what do we do? It's like, how do we support what used to be an exception to be now the norm? And so, so another point of contention, ultimately leading to things like poor app experience, which is the last uh, bubble here, that all users were, why is my application all of a sudden run so slow? And, and uh, it's very hard for me to do my job. What we've seen over the course of the last couple of years is, is a shift that set the stage for, for this conversation around SASE's uh, Secure Access Service Edge is that there have been some enabling technologies that have been brewing in the marketplace, which have set the stage. On one hand, you got networking like SD-WAN and the promise of being able to, to reduce the um, network operational costs. 
on the other side, you've got a new, you had a new breed of cloud-delivered security solutions, which most recently have gone by the um, Security Services Edge or SSE acronym. And, and we see these two being uh, combined and have been combined over the last several years to, to drive a new topology. Um, we won't get into the, the, the ins and outs, but to say the least, it's one that marries the, uh, this cloud-delivered network security services with a substantial amount of, of this SD-WAN capability that sits on, off on, on the edge. And they, they're coming together in service of this hybrid, very cloud-centric enterprise that now exists. Again, we uh, here at Deloro track markets, we track technologies. And so I thought I'd bring in a couple of data points from one of my recent reports about just the size of these markets, the magnitude and the direction that, that these markets have recently uh, taken. So what I'm sharing here, is uh, our, the value of the market, the, the total amount of the technology um, revenue that the, the technology vendors that fall into this chassis basket that we look at as from a technology perspective, either being a networking SD-WAN or the security SSE. And I think should jump out at you right now that over the course of three years, there's been a sizable increase in the amount that enterprises have been spending, right? So I like to say enterprises are voting with their wallet. They're increasingly embracing this notion of, of embracing uh, SD-WAN and SSC in a SASE uh, class of, of framework. And, and so we're on track to, to nearly hit that $6 billion figure um, by the end of this year. So hopefully it gives you a little flavor from the Delore perspective about what, um, how we look at this landscape. At this point, <clears throat> I'd like to be able then to pivot uh, today's to today's conversation, but before we dig in into each of these topics again that we've selected for you uh, and, and be able to, to tackle today's topic, I'd like for each of the panelists to spend uh, 30 seconds or so introducing themselves and, 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 and the, you know, the organization that they're from, and we'll go uh, left to right. So Craig, please uh, take it away and, and um, uh, introduce yourselves. Thanks, Maurizio. I'm Craig Connors. I'm the Vice President and General Manager for the SD-WAN and SASE business at VMware. Uh, I've been in the SD-WAN space for about 16, 17 years, uh, much longer than we called it SD-WAN. And, uh, and now excited to be here to, to talk with an old friend, Parag, who I worked with at VeloCloud and a, and a new friend from the MEF, Mark. Thank you, Craig. That was a perfect segue. So uh, Parag, on to you. Thanks, Mauricio. This is uh, Parag Thakur. I'm the Senior Vice President of Borderless SD-WAN at Netscope. Uh, Netscope is one of the market-leading SASE vendors with over 2,000 customers, uh, including some of the Fortune uh, one, 25 of the Fortune 100 customers. Thanks for that, Parag. And last but not least, Mark. Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Mark Cohn. I'm from uh, Spiron as a principal technology analyst, but today I'm representing the MEF. I uh, actually lead the MEF SD-WAN certification program. I also lead the security test and incubation group, which is responsible for the, trans, uh, the transition and the evolution between where we are with SD-WAN and operationalizing SASE and Zero Trust, which are two new standards areas for the MEF. Very good. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, everyone, for for introducing yourselves. Um, all right, let's let's get into our first discussion. So the first topic, I always like to start um, with a wider aperture and and then and then steer it to 
to uh, a particular focal point. And so for our first discussion, I'd like to start with you, Craig. And in the marketplace, there's a lot of definition sassy. I presented one um, predicated on, on, on the way that we look at it here, Deloro. But uh, again, starting with you, Craig, and then going on to the rest of the panelists, I'd like to first set the stage and have you answer the very simple question. You know, what is SAS in 2022? And, um, and go from there. So, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Mauricio. So, you know, I think you called it out in your intro that a lot of what we hear about today with regards to SASE is driven by the shift to the distributed workforce. A lot of people forget that the term was actually coined prior to the, and, uh, you know, these, these things that were driving these shifts were happening already. Of course, you know, remote workers is one, but IoT devices is, is a second one. Uh, apps distributing and moving to the edge and to various clouds is another one. And then the rise in cyber attacks and in part driven to the rise in cryptocurrency, which, which led to new and, and interesting ways to monetize attacks, uh, also led to a surge in attacks. And so we were already rethinking you know, how we were going to connect and secure these new emerging use cases, poured a bunch of fuel on it, and it became you know, one of the most hyped, hyped terms in the industry. And so one of the challenges for, for the folks listening is whenever something gets very hyped, and you know, we saw this with SD-WAN in the early days, uh, there's one day there's five SD-WAN vendors, the next day there's 70. Uh, I think we, we're seeing the same thing in SASE because everyone wants a, a piece of that $6 billion pie that you shared. And so it's really hard to pin down exactly what SASE is because so many different vendors claim so many different things. Uh, so I think today for me in 2022, we have to go back to the use cases and look at what you're trying to accomplish as a company. SASE is a framework for you to connect and secure your users anywhere they are to your apps everywhere that they are. Uh, and that's really what SASE has to be today until we have some sort of uh, formal standardization, which, which I'm sure Mark will, uh, will chime in on. Thanks for that intro, Craig. What about you, Paragra or, or Mark? You agree? You disagree? No, I, I agree with Craig. I call it like SASE washing. So right now it's like a lot of SASE washing going on. And I, I still remember, right, like a few years back, uh, I was presenting actually SD-WAN to a manufacturing customer. And it kind of goes back to what Craig said on use cases, right, where the manufacturing customer is like, man, you know what? I didn't understand a single word of what you said on SD-WAN. And I'm like, why? And it's like, for you to understand my problem, you need to come to my factory floor. So I fly out to their factory floor and they point to a machine. And inside the machine, there are sensors. And they're like, that's my new branch. And inside that branch, I have sensors and I don't have humans. And I need to connect that machine back to the cloud and you know, get some analytics and remotely troubleshoot the machine. So the point being that, you know, how do you deliver that consistent uniform performance and security, not just to a branch office, but uh, every user device, IoT endpoint, or multi-cloud environment, uh, that is key. And when customers come out to us, fundamentally, we see two architectural challenges that they come up with. So firstly, we see um, people will say, man, you know, I have this SD-WAN and I can deliver, I can say Zoom is high priority on SD-WAN. 
and then I go to a remote access client and I can't configure it. It's the same user moving home and it's the same user who is in a branch office. Can you tell me like, how can I do, do like Zoom or Office 365 or my app is high priority no matter where the user is? And then you go to another set of vendors who are just focused on cellular connectivity. And then you go to fourth set of vendors who are like just doing multi-cloud connectivity, right? So a lot of people are looking for that architectural convergence. They want to have that one software, one policy so that you can kind of cover not just your branch, but branch offices, remote users, cellular connectivity, um, and get your multi-cloud connectivity in a single framework. So that I call more of that architectural gap, right? That's the architectural challenge. But there's also a second challenge, which is more on the functionality, right? So kind of world has moved, right? Wherein you see uh, people were during SD-WAN days, you would talk about application aware. And now people are talking about being context aware, right? It's not just about apps, but it's app, app risk, user, user risk, device, device risk, right? So it's, it's much deeper from a context perspective. Um, and it's not just layer seven awareness that kind of SD one bring brought in, which is what SASE will bring in, right? By marrying the two technologies together, and then you have a lot of cellular needs, and then security is not integrated, but it's not it's not bolt on; it's like fully integrated. And then there are edge compute requirements, right? So each kind of uh, use case has its own ask in terms of what is required. But one thing I can tell you is the bar to be a pure play SASE vendor is very high, right? And we at Netscope believe we have a lot of technologies to make that happen. But again, the you know be careful when you're picking that SASE uh, solution, come up with a solid RFP with your requirements and be use case centric. Thanks for that, Parag. I wanna circle back to some of the comments that, that uh, you, Craig and Parag mentioned, but before I do, I wanna give an, an opportunity to Mark, you know, coming from the math and, and the work that you guys are doing. You know, how is it that you see uh, SASE in 2022, Mark? Well, first of all, I think it's an architecture. I mean, there, there is no question that the use cases that Craig and Prague were talking about are, are make it more instructive to talk about SASE. But this discussion, this roundtable actually puts a spotlight on the industry challenge of having a term like SASE or SD-WAN, or if we really go back in time and, you know, software-defined networking, we had the same challenge there 10 years ago. And we, until we have some way to get industry consensus or at least industry reasonable agreement around what the terminology is, what the scope is, what the bounds are, then we have this discussion that individual service providers, vendors, system integrators, everyone in the ecosystem is going to have their own slant and, and not to mention end users. They're going to have their own slant on, on SASE or on SSE, which we didn't talk about, but I'm sure we will in, in the next question or so. And what we are trying to do in the math is to recognize that it's an architecture, recognize that we're catering to our traditional service provider customer base that the math serves, and then be able to try to provide a language and a standards, a, a set of standards that can help a operate a service provider actually weed through multiple vendors solutions, not to actually create pure multi-vendor interoperability, which is not practical, but rather just to be able to help them manage this multi-vendor environment. And that's what I think the role of a SASE and zero trust standard, which is the other important 
companion standard DeSassi that we're going to be addressing in the MEF and how that's actually unfolding in the market. Thanks for that, Mark. And, and um, I, I would also agree that that uh, SAS is in, 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 in architecture, but within that, then going back to the use cases, because I want to focus here on on the, the what is SAS, because we'll, we'll get to the next conversation here in a couple of moments uh, to um, the how should SASE be implemented? So if we start from the the the, the standpoint that SASE is an architecture that can be applied to a number of use cases, going back to what you said, Craig, and as well as Parag about the the number of use cases that are coming into view. I, I think what I'm hearing is an, is an expansion, and and this is not the first time I hear it today. Whereas during the depths of in circuit 2020. It was how do I make sure I can get my users to access their applications? Now it seems like there's derivative use cases that for which the similar style and architectural philosophy that SASE describes can be applied because I heard you, Craig, mention about you know, IoT and Parag, you, you brought up the multi-cloud, right? Which um, was neither IoT nor multi-cloud was part of the conversation in, in 2020. So the, the, the question is um, to, to, to both of you and as well as to, to you, Mark, is then is SASE something that will continue to, because it's an architectural uh, approach, continue to evolve and continue to consume use cases, or is it something that enterprises can uh, be laser focused and say, well, this is the mo the biggest bang for the buck that I can get by focusing on these use cases. So I guess to me, that's kind of part of the challenge with SASE, right? Is that it can mean any number of things uh, uh, to individual enterprises. So perhaps thoughts on how to how to think of it as an enterprise and where to start thinking about it would, would be um, very interesting. So so Craig or Parag, and we'll, we'll circle back with me. What, what do you guys think? Is this the SAS evolving and will continue to evolve, or do you feel that eventually it'll it'll settle on on a, a particular sphere of of use cases uh, over the next several years? Yeah. And Craig, yeah. Prague, either of you? Yeah, I, I think you know the the use cases are already there, right, Mauricio? We we see uh, customers' journeys can land in any of the use cases already. Like that's already happening. Uh, customers can start their journey. Maybe customers have decided what the SD-WAN branch is and they start their journey from multi-cloud. Uh, or maybe they want to start with uh, SD-WAN remote access or some sort of uh, remote users, right? Or a branch of one. So I think where you land is, um, is important. And it's equally important to have that converged architecture where you know that, you know, wherever I start, I have this opportunity to move into various directions, right? So I can start with multi-cloud, but tomorrow I can move into SD-WAN or I can start with SD-WAN, I can move to remote access. And I think that's possible if you have a consistent architecture, consistent framework that can give you that uniform security and performance. I see. And within a space of use case, maybe my question should have been, is there a particular set of use cases where you think there's a biggest bang for the buck? Or is it really a question that every enterprise needs to take a step back and say, okay, what are my requirements? And from that, falls out which which set of use cases SASE um, will be the starting point for, the, for their journey. I think with 
get started with the remote users, but like, as, as we discussed, right, it's not the only use case. There are all these use cases. And I, I do think that it can start with any of these different use cases uh, that I was mentioning, and uh, it can go in either direction. The, the, the key is for you to show the customers a path in terms of how you can migrate from one use case to another versus what the landing point is. So pretty much you can land anywhere and kind of expand from there. I see. What, what about you, Craig or, or Mark? Any any additional thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the power of SASE is bringing together remote access and SD-WAN and uh, firewall and SWIG and all of these use cases. And that means that you're not just displacing a vendor or displacing a solution when you come in. You're, you're trying to, to really displace three or four vendors probably to simplify the overall approach for the customer. And so you know, to Prague's point, while that can be a challenge, it can also be a benefit because it gives you lots of different areas where you can begin based on the specific needs of the customer. Maybe they have a gap in their security story today or they have a, a solution that's not working well for them. They start there and then they expand horizontally. And I think, you know, one of the important things about people say SD-WAN's the foundation of SASE and things like that. I think the, the thinking behind SD-WAN, the thinking behind bringing visibility to the end client, simplicity at scale, you know, those kind of mindsets are important as you grow your SASE solution. And so I think, you know, that's a that's an important factor as well how easy it is for you to administer all of these different use cases at scale. Very good. Thanks for that. Um, to keep to, to be able to get to our second topic, uh, let's, let's get, get you the conversation and shift to our, our second topic, which is um, more around the, the how, right? So at least from, from the Delo perspective, we're slicing and dicing in a number of different ways. We obviously see that there are um, multiple vendors. And, and so I'd love to be able to get, get your, your thoughts about, as enterprises think about embracing a particular um, solution set, is that solution set best when it's a single vendor or, or, or a, a multi-vendor set of, of uh, SASE capabilities? I think the other thing that we see is uh, while we acknowledge that SASE is an architecture for specific use cases or a collection of use cases, we also see that certain vendors are approaching it with as a one-stop shop, right? So you can almost go to them and say, okay, treat SASE more as a shrink wrap product and, it, and, and the networking and security is very tightly coupled together, right? So you're not having to go to a separate SD-WAN and a separate security vendor. You could just go to this, this, uh, this vendor ha that has already done that, that integration it, tight integration, and we call that flavor of SASE the, the unified flavor. So it, it represents more of a product-centric uh, perspective. And so I want to start with you, Prague, in terms of thinking about how the rubber meets the road along these dimensions of, you know, should SASE be considered um, uh, as the best instantiation when it's multi-vendor or the reasons for single vendor? Um, what's, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so you know, at Netscope, we want to offer our customers flexibility and choice. Uh, by definition, successful SASE would imply like fewer vendors, simpler operations, reduced complexity, and, and this is all to kind of lower cost, right? Eventually, uh, but we understand that it is a journey and it is not rip and replace. 
So if you look at it, like what options do customers have? Uh, one, they could have existing contracts, whether it's an SD-WAN contract or an SEC contract, it doesn't matter, uh, or they have multi-vendor environments. And in that case, you can kind of purchase individual products uh, that are part of this SASE architecture. And for that, you really need tight and deep partnerships and integrations with many security and networking players. Um, and on the other side, we have customers who would absolutely say, hey, you know what, I need like simplified operations. I need this SASE fabric of the future, and I need to connect my remote users, IoT devices, branch offices, multi-cloud environments, all in a single fabric. And in that case, you can purchase an entire convert SASE platform from us. So I think it, it's just customer-centric. Both options uh, should be supported. Uh, we conducted at Netscope a very, uh, uh, recently we conducted a survey, right? And, and this was with 3,500 CIOs uh, worldwide. And 81% of them said they are likely to purchase SASE from a single vendor in the future. And 75% of that group said that would happen in the next one to four years. So we know where the trend is headed. Uh, but at the same time, I think uh, flexibility and choice is the key. Um, if you want one, uh, you know, thing that I would leave people with is, you know, ask, ask the vendors, right? Hey, how is one plus one greater than two? Uh, if I do, uh, you know, dual vendors, tell me, like, how do you prove that you are better as a single solution? So that's the key. Like, you want to make sure you are asking vendors the right questions um, in order for a successful SASE implementation. And do an RFP, right? Like start an RFP with a single vendor, dual vendor, with managed SASE, and, and pick the best solution that you like. Very interesting. So I'd like to go to Mark and, and, and then Craig, we, we can circle back if, if you've got the, some thoughts on this topic. But Prague, you mentioned that that in your survey, there was a the arrows pointing to a desire for this to be a single vendor. Now, Mark, considering the MEF has got a strong service provider community, what are you hearing, right? Uh, and, and what's the perspective from the service provider community that, that um, do they have, are you thinking in the same vein or, or are you thinking differently? We're gonna touch on this in the next question, but I think I'm gonna just uh, offer a preview and I'm gonna offer uh, maybe maybe a little bit of a disagreement. I, I believe that if we look at SD-WAN and how SD-WAN evolved, the, there's no question that as the complexity level of SD-WAN rose, it provided opportunities for service providers, traditional managed service providers, to be able to jump into the market and then be able to address that complexity for those enterprise customers. And that would be in the face of the trend that um, Parag was referring to where that enterprises are gonna go jump off and do it themselves, even though there may be a need and, and desire to, to continue along the trend of the cloud journey where enterprises may outsource that to managed service providers who are not going to just provide a few tightly integrated security functions the way it's indicated in your unified approach, Mauricio, but also it's going to, it's going to empower those enterprises to be able to ask for more security functions that are gonna be delivered through the SASE architecture. So I think that the, the longer term trend is that we're not gonna to move toward a single vendor 
I think we're going to move to multiple vendors and those multiple vendors are going to provide a richer and broader set of cybersecurity functions and applications that are going to be actually delivered in the in the SASE environment. Very interesting, very interesting. Craig, I'd love to hear, since you're the tie-breaking boat in this, <laughs> in this picture. Um, well, I'm, I'm not going to break the tie because I'm going to say the answer is yes uh, to both. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, uh, I think anytime you have a new market space emerging, you will see a combination of vendors that are really strong in the networking vertical and security vertical coming together into a converged solution, as well as single vendors like VMware and Netscope that deliver everything. But, you know, I, I think that the service provider channel being very important doesn't mean single vendor SASE doesn't work either. I think, you know, certainly service providers bring a lot of value in a world where there's a lot of disparate solutions you have to, to stitch together. But we shouldn't think of that as the only value they provide. You know, SASE is still an all-encompassing technology with a lot of different use cases, a lot of different vendors with different pros and cons. And so service providers have, have another angle here, even in a single vendor SASE world of helping users understand the nuances of the different solutions, helping them roll it out, helping them manage it on day two. And so um, I think we're we're probably trending towards single vendor SASE in the long term, but today definitely both approaches exist. Always a consummate a diplomat, Craig. Thank you. So so uh, Prague, given what you've heard, is is um do you do you do you agree with the Mark and and, and Craig or or do you, yeah, you still know, think no, I, I think you know what I was merely pointing out is like the trend. Like I mentioned in the beginning, there is uh existing deep networking and security partnerships that you need in that multi-vendor environment and which which Netscope carries, right? And which we have to, like you have existing contracts, for instance, or you may be in multi-vendor environment. I can't tell you so many times I go in and they'll say, oh, wow, I, I like this, but you know what? I have an existing contract that I can't come out of. And, and you have to be interoperable in all these scenarios, right? Like, and maybe I like a vendor one versus vendor two. And who am I to dictate what vendor you should pick as a customer? So I think there is that aspect, right? And that is true. And then there is second aspect, which I strongly think where vendors, as you pick a vendor on SASE, there should be a strong reason to do so. And you need to question the vendor, hey, why is one plus one greater than two? Can you tell me how you give me that operational efficiency? Can you tell me how you make my van better uh, by having this unified single solution? So I think that I do still think that the trend based on the surveys that we have done is headed in that single vendor SASE direction longer term. And then short term, you have to deal with, with these contractual things that are out there. Uh, but then we do see the pie move in, move in that direction wherein you will have that single vendor SASE. And including service providers, I can tell you so many RFPs, so many SPs have come in and said, you know what, you can really end up saving. You can do this. AI-driven operations across like network and security, you can save cost for me, right? So there is that mindset as well, where like uh, while they might, they have an existing solution, they'll come and say, but I need a separate solution for a single vendor SASE as well. So we see that a lot from managed service providers happening. Very good. And, and um, just to share some color, because I agree with all of you in terms of 
of um, Prague, the longer term trend that the that the degree of consumption of single vendor, more tightly integrated unified C is continuing to grow and represent the larger um, share of the market. And at least what we see is that, that today that that blossoming is happening in what we term to be lean IT types of enterprises. So predominantly the smaller mid-sized enterprises that don't have that specialized networking or security. Because I think one of the things that, that we see is that the larger enterprises, you start getting into the Fortune 500, they typically have a very specialized IT staff. They have very uh, strong affinity to particular vendor sets. And when it comes to networking security, it's not always the same vendor, uh, right? So one may have, a, a, the networking team may have a preference for um, vendor A and the security team has a preference for, for vendor B. And so they're in the space of, reconciling and and uh, pushing these worlds that may have been separated out and, and the vendors separated out and uh, to come together and start coupling together their solutions to in, in, in the form of SASE that we call um, disaggregated. But as the market evolves, as the products evolve, the solutions evolve, we definitely see that that, that will um, enable companies to move in a direction of, of embracing a, 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 a different uh, a different more unified class of, of solution so it's it's very interesting how the spectrum isn't necessarily a one-size-fits-all but one where um, there are various factors beyond just the state of technology um, so let's move on to to our last topic here which we already touched on a little bit right so it's a mark I, I i teased you out a little bit uh to, to start discussing this but um the third discussion topic which is the consumption patterns specifically uh with sassy in the portion that uh is consumed as a as a managed service We've been looking at this um, from the SD-WAN perspective. So I've brought in uh, a couple data points from my report, which basically shows here is the portion of the technology market. If you think of the SD-WAN technology pie being 100%, the slice that is consumed as a managed service is has been growing over, over time. So I, I'd like to to start with you, Mark, and, and, and you've already stolen your thunder a little bit in saying that the, the, the complexities of a multi-vendor SASE solution um, are a space for service provider to come in to help enterprises. But I want to explore beyond that and whether there are other reasons why um, there may be, or is that the only reason why uh, enterprises would consider a, a managed service offering to consume these, these technologies? So, so, Mark, I'd like for you to kick it off. All right, and and this this chart is um, is consistent and and uh, and maybe a little bit um, different than some other data that I've seen, where the it, it's closer to half and half. I mean, I've seen and and depending on what the size of the enterprise is, that's certainly going to matter. I think that you know my colleagues already brought that up is that there's no one size fits all. So let's Let's first just acknowledge that there's a need for vendor-provided solutions and managed services. That's why we're seeing the demand. That's why we're seeing the shift. But there's a couple of factors that are that are going to 
hinder adoption of managed services. One of them is that the network and security organizations from, or at least for many enterprises, is traditionally two separate distinct organizations. And if you're gonna create a converged offering, you have to figure out who you're gonna sell it to, who's the buying center for that particular offering. And that's gonna be one thing. That's gonna change over time, but it doesn't happen overnight. That's for certain. So um, the, second, the second factor is that if we look at the long-term outsourcing trend of enterprise IT, there is a propensity to look at cloud services in the long-term. And maybe we're talking about semantics to some extent, because if, if a vendor who traditionally provides hardware and software decides to become a service provider or decides to, to offer solutions and they're priced in a subscription model or a consumption-based model, maybe it is just semantics is what we're talking about. A managed service provider to some, a vendor to others, maybe it's, that's converging as well. So I, I think that the, 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 there's maybe less controversy here than might appear at first glance, but there is an undeniable trend that smaller organizations, SMBs for certain, are going to be looking for managed services to be able to address not only the complexity of their, of their networks, but, the, but to do it in a way that allows them the, the management flexibility that they're looking for to be able to uh, address their financial needs as well. And I think that those are the, those are some of the main trade-offs to consider in the DIY versus, you know, the do-it-yourself versus managed service provider uh, discussion that's going on in the, in, in, in the industry. And I think there's also one other aspect, and that is the, and, and it's just the very definition that um, how SASE really took off that Gartner defined SASE in a particular model well, if we bring in, and, and that model had seven security functions, it was very rigidly defined. And what I'm finding in talking to service providers, certainly throughout the MEF, is that they have a very different view of SASE in that sense. They look at it as a cloud-hosted architecture that's ideal to address the, not just the remote workforce, but of course, the even more complex hybrid workforce which Mauricio, your data indicated. And in that, in, in that scenario, what we can expect if, um, if we're gonna be addressing the hybrid workforce with that complexity is that there's gonna be a whole range of security functions that are gonna be needed to address regulatory, uh, privacy constraints, a whole range of security constraints, not just a single set of requirements. So it's not, we're, we have one problem and we have one solution. We have many problems and there'll be many solutions. And I think that Craig and Prague have already addressed this by talking about the use cases. So I don't think we're that far away in the end. I think there's just gonna be a need, like as Craig pointed out, for multiple different solutions in both the quote unquote vendor and the managed services arenas. Thanks for that color, Mark. Craig or uh, Prague, you guys agree, disagree? Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, for us, the, <clears throat> the route to market, the managed service provider route to market is obviously bigger. It's more than 50% of what we do at VMware. Um, and I think I want to bring it back to something you said, sort of wrapping up the last question. You said, 
what if the network engineers prefer one vendor and the security engineers prefer a different vendor? And I think just that that manner of thinking underscores another shift that is happening and has to happen, which is network and security are converging, not just in the products that we offer, but also for the, the people building these solutions on the ground, right? How can you evaluate something like uh, a ZTNA solution with forward error correction built in? Is that a network problem or a security problem? Well, it's, it's a little bit of both, right? And so I think while MSPs have helped in modernizing networks with SD-WAN, there's another opportunity to help here because vendors are converging products at the same time that customers are converging networking security as a buying center, as a, as a single team. And so having a, a trusted advisor as you go through that transition, I think, I think that can help as well. So I think there's a lot of areas where managed services can help as SASE emerges. Thanks for that. What about you, Prague? Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree with both Mark and Craig. I think I think it's very use case centric. Um, for example, you know, we are in an OT customer doing uh, literally those machines, and we are in that machines, and there's no managed service provider involved there, right? Uh, and it's with a machine builder. But then when you go to a branch office, and when you go to uh, uh, a certain other use cases, there there is you know more people want to get circuits, not just SASE, right? I want uh, which service providers am I going to use? and have that single throat to choke. So from that perspective, you will see like in the branch offices, a lot of times you will see um, MSPs uh, bundling, not just SASE, they'll take SD-WAN security circuits, uh, add their SLAs on top, like do all of these things, combine it and deliver it as, deliver it as a full service, right? So I think the opportunity is big. Um, I do think there are two kinds of uh, deployments that come in. Uh, whether you pick single vendor or multi-vendor, both are options, again, for a managed SASE offering. Um, but when you see the deployments, one is what we call as full over the top, wherein you can use um, SD-WAN and you can use the SSE full-blown as a service, right? Uh, and you can deliver it completely over the top. So you don't have to install anything in your network. And then you have other larger telcos. For example, we made an announcement with Orange recently who is a leading telco, and they announced Netscope Pops deployed within Orange Telco Cloud Platform, right? So now you have that more deeper integrated um, deployments for SASE as well. So I think it kind of uh, depends. There are multiple deployment models within SASE, and then you can still be on a single vendor or a dual vendor path. I see, I see. So um, thanks for that color. I, I want to go back and... In, in, in... What I've heard is is the world in the previous conversation settled out that the world is shifting, that as the sophistication of solutions uh, increases and the convergence increases, that we're going to move into this converged unified class of solutions, so a single vendor solution. And um, but then at the, uh, by the same token, the the purchasing centers ostensibly are are, are also uh, changing. If that's the case, then um, for the large enterprise where, where today it's more of a do-it-yourself today, given the specialization and the, and the capacity versus in the small to medium enterprise where they have lean IT and, and they're first, they're very, they, they, 
they tend to, as we've, um, I think Mark and others have noted, tend to go to the service provider route uh, in increasing fashion. If we think about the large enterprise and the solution being uh, moving in a unified uh, direction and the, and the purchasing and these teams, the networking security teams coming together, why would large enterprise still consider a managed service offering? So do you foresee that the large enterprise would move in a direction of what is happening in the small to mid enterprises or, 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 or is that class of large enterprise customer going to be happy as a clam, just continue to do it, um, do it yourself. And Mark, I'll, I'll circle back with you and pose a question and open it up to, to the others. What, what's your perspective in that large enterprise space? One of the aspects of, of that question is, be, and, and to provide a concise answer is that the large enterprise is looking for connectivity. They're not just looking for security functions. They're, they're, they have a, a much more involved problem of branch offices that could be distributed, different types of facilities, partners that they want to integrate into the mix as well, and, and, and also acquisitions where maybe there's a different technology base, maybe there's a different vendor installed. Someone has to go and sort out just the connectivity side. Then you can layer on top the multi-cloud access with SD-WAN, which of course is going to be now integrated to, into the SASE architecture to be able to deliver this, this more secure access plus, plus the ability to support users wherever they are. And in the case of some of the large enterprises, it's literally wherever they, they may be. I mean, they could be all over the world and they, and they will be. So and when you look at that kind of complexity, and you look at the need to be able to coordinate the communications across these national boundaries or even these regional boundaries, that's where a large service provider can come in with predefined relationships with many other service providers. So they can actually provide all the connectivity and even the SD-WAN overlays for that various different, that, that kind of heterogeneous uh, environment. Now, it, it doesn't mean that necessarily that an, that an enterprise wouldn't take it on because some enterprises look like a service provider in terms of the type of network they operate, the type of services they deliver to certainly partners, and, and maybe they are a service provider. Again, we might be back in that semantical discussion, but clearly there are others who are, are really struggling to be able to, to provide secure connectivity with a threat landscape that's changing by the day and the need to be able to handle whatever connectivity services is at that edge or whatever is at that customer site. And then to be able to bring that all together, that, that is not a trivial exercise. And there are a few vendors who have the breath uh, and, and certainly can even address the multi-vendor environment, even though that's changing. I mean, I think the multi-vendor environment is more the norm than the exception. But that's one reason why they may be looking to a service provider to step in and then be able to provide that that communications and security integrations function that we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes. I see. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, uh, any uh, closing remarks on, on, on this last question, uh, Craig and Parag? Do you guys disagree or agree? No, I think we covered it uh, pretty much, yeah. But Very I, good. I with, what, with what Mark said, right? I think it's going to be a split bag. It's going to be use case centric. 
some in fact sure. some enterprises may say you know what for my remote workforce i don't want an msp i want an msp for my branch offices so it really depends like they may pick projects or they may give the whole thing to the msp it's it's been uh, um uh, it's i do agree with mark like it's almost uh, split right between like msp versus diy at least the takeaway that i'm hearing is is that the the large enterprises have have more uh, technical capacity from an it perspective but the 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 class of problems are just that much larger that that transcend the sassy um set of conversations that we've been discussing to get into the transport the connectivity the 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 other peripheral areas that the service providers have historically been um, very strong in, right? So ultimately leading and opening the opportunity to engagements by the service provider community, even with that class of large enterprise that looking at compared to the smaller enterprise who, who, who needs the help even for the basics, the big guys will still appreciate the service provider capabilities in, in, that, uh, in that larger, larger picture. So it's, it's an interesting you know, landscape. One, one thing Mauricio, that, that same uh, survey that I was talking about, right, with the 3,500 CIOs, one interesting other stat we found from that was two thirds of them, they kind of noted that SASE will change how they structure their teams in future. So including where you formally have these separate groups like security and networking, uh, they sit in separate organization, who has the budget control. So they are kind of still in that process of figuring out how they'll structure this, which becomes an important point to this, whether they do it themselves or they kind of like what Craig mentioned, right? Like are these taking independent decisions or are they taking the decision together? Yes, no, it's it's a organizational change is, is something definitely abreast and uh, but it's one that that a lot of enterprises seem to be going a lot slower than than uh, and, and naturally so, right? It's been 20 years of silos, so breaking those silos isn't isn't necessarily easy. Well, we're at the end of our, our time together. I'd like for each of you to to uh, provide a, any closing remarks about the co today's conversation, right? Anything else that you'd like to be able to to share with the audience? And uh, we'll go in reverse. So we'll start with you, Mark, and then Parag and and, and Craig. So first, Mark, any uh, closing remarks or thoughts uh, from today's conversation? Um, yes. Um, the first, of all, I want to thank uh, NetEvents for this opportunity to to address such an important topic. So thank you for that. And secondly, uh, SASE being an architecture is going to certainly evolve as to what security functions are going to be deployed. I think the closing thought that I have is not to think of it as a unified entity. I think that's a very limiting view and I think it's certainly gonna evolve over time. The security landscape is huge and no one is gonna be able to address every single aspect of such a highly segmented set of problems. So I think the, it's the architecture that needs to be extensible to be able to address that. And and then the second point is that, and if we look, it's just that history would guide us to think that Managed service providers are going to have a big part of SASE. It is, I don't believe it's going to converge on the single vendor approach unless vendors turn into service providers. Very interesting. Well, thank you for that, um, Mark. Parag. Well, well, I have a slightly different view. I think uh, you know the world has kind of moved from what I call one-to-one 
to one to many, which is what SD WAN was doing a lot. And then now it is into this many to many world, right? You have many users, many devices, many IoT endpoints, branches trying to connect to many applications, which are hybrid or multi cloud environments. Uh, but I do think you need something, one consistent software, one policy, one architecture, one framework uh, that can deliver this uniform security and performance uh, with less number of vendors. It kind of gives you that, uh, you know, you can uh, save, obviously you can have a good ROI, save cost. You want, to you want something that is very simple to deploy anywhere from like a home to a cloud to everywhere in between. And give you really that consistent security, consistent performance. Look for those architectures, look for those vendors. Uh, you know, ask questions, right? You want to, you want someone who can interoperate and then put you on this journey that can get you to a point where it's really simple to operate your entire infrastructure and give you that consistent uniform performance and security. Thanks, Parag. Last but not least, Craig, parting thoughts? Yeah, I uh, I think I agree with Parag. So, you know, one of the things that, that we can do um, as our customers and as our companies are converging networking and security is look to manage service providers, not just uh, to be the ones to, to offload the service management, but also to help advise the team on what the landscape looks like and how to bring those two two different things that have been siloed for so long together, as you said. And so whether it's one vendor or, or multi-vendor, um, I think the importance is that you're getting that ROI, you're getting that simplicity, and you're, you're able to meet those use cases that you need to deploy. Uh, and so that's where the expertise of managed service can really come in and help. Thanks for that, Craig. Again, my deep appreciation and thanks to my distinguished set of panelists. Uh, hopefully everyone has found this conversation uh, insightful. I definitely, I did. I learned something new every, every time I sit down with uh, folks like our panelists. Well, with that, again, thank you very much for uh, all of my panelists. Thank you to the audience.